You are listening to The North Podcast, a ministry of Mount Perrin North in Marietta, Georgia. Man, I hope you are excited about what God is about to do in our lives today. Amen? I hope you're excited about today. I hope you're excited about tonight, our revival that starts at 6 p.m. with Dr. Mark Rutland. It's just going to be a fantastic four nights, and I am so excited about what God is going to do. If you've got your Bibles, I'd like for you to take them. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to look at the first two verses, Hebrews chapter 11. And as you're turning, I just want to let you know this morning, um, we want to make sure that we give plenty of time for God to do what only God can do. Because God can do in a millisecond what I can't do in a hundred years of preaching. But the word goes forth, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And so I've got a few thoughts I want to share with you, and I'm going to believe that we're, after we share those, that God is just going to do some miraculous, wonderful things in this place today in your life. I want to talk to you about trusting God for the miraculous. Trusting God for the miraculous. Hebrews chapter 11, starting in verse 1, it says, Faith makes us sure of what we hope for and gives us proof of what we cannot see. It was their faith that made our ancestors pleasing to God. Another version uh, describes verse 2 as saying, God was pleased with the people who lived a long time ago because they had faith like this. Let's pray. Father, in the next few moments, I pray that your word go forth, that our faith would arise, and that you would do what only you could do. Anoint the words you've given me to say, though they be brief as they go forth. Anoint our ears to hear and our hearts to receive, so that you may accomplish your perfect will. And we'll be careful to give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So the passage that we find today is probably one of the more famous passages of Scripture because it is referred to as the Hall of Faith or like the Hall of Fame of Faith. It starts off, as we read in another version, it just says um, that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. And our ancestors were commended because of their faith. And then it goes on to list all of these famous people in the Old Testament who exhibited faith. Some of them are described in that, in the, the way that they exhibited faith and how God honored that. Some of them are just listed along the way. But when you read this, you think all of the great things God did through these people by their faith. One of them is Abraham. The Bible says that Abraham leaves where he lives because God tells him to leave. And says, go to a place I will show you. It goes on to tell us in, in Scripture that Abraham is given a promise by God of a son. And after that son is born, when he's 100 years old, years later, God tells him and tests him and says, do you love me more than the blessing? And he said, would you be willing to give your son back to me? And actually ask him to sacrifice God never intends for him to sacrifice his son. He doesn't. But God wants to know, where do I have priority in your life? And so Abraham sets out. God tells him this. He says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take your son, sacrifice him. Go to a mountain that I will tell you about. Can you imagine that news? And then God to say, but I want you to keep listening to me to get directions along the way. And Abraham believed and it was credited to him as righteousness. Before the Old Testament, the law ever existed, Abraham believed, and it was given, credited to him as righteousness. 
It goes on to talk about others and this great faith that they have. And the easy thing to do is look at this and say, yeah, but those are people of great faith. But the reality is those are people who believed in a great God. I want you to see four quick things about what faith is before we move into a time of prayer. The first one is this. Faith is not merely believing in God. Faith is believing God. It's not just believing in God. It's believing God. The book of James says you believe in God. Great. Even the demons do that. It's not believing in God. It's believing God. So what do you believe God for? It it means that you take God at his word. That what God says in scripture is really true. It is really alive. It is really applicable to your life and my life today. It's not reserved for those folks that lived in the Old Testament time period. It's not reserved for those people that lived in the New Testament time period. It is literally the living word of God meant for you and me. And faith is taking God at his word. It's not just believing in God. It's believing God that when he says something in his word, he means it and he's true to it. Here's what Psalm 62 says, starting in verse 1. It's not going to be on the screen. I want you to listen to what David says. I wait quietly before God, for my victory comes from him. The word quietly is not just about a hushed tone. It's about I still myself and trusting that God is enough, that I can't work anything into being, but I can lean into the promises of God. I can trust in that. I can stay in that. He goes on and says, he alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will never be shaken. Verse five says, let all that I am wait, be still quietly before God for my hope is in him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will not be shaken. My victory and my honor come from God alone. He is my refuge, a rock where no enemy can reach me. Oh, my people, trust in God at all times and pour out your heart to him, for God is our refuge. In that quick passage, he tells us God is our hope. And in scripture, hope's not wishful thinking. It's a confident expectation that everything God says he does or will do, he's going to do. It's not, it's not wishing that it's going to happen. If God said it, it's going to happen. It's not even, you know, you heard the old phrase that says, God said it, I believe it, and so it is. You put yourself in the middle of something you don't belong. God said it, it's going to happen. Faith is believing that, but your faith doesn't make God do anything. You take God at his word and you trust in those things and apply it to your circumstances and your situation. He's our hope, confident expectation. He's our rock. He's our foundation. He's the very core on which we build our lives. Here's what Jesus said at the end of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7. He says that listening to the words of Christ, to his teaching, to the word of God, is the equivalent of building your house on a foundation. He gives two different things. He says, there are two people in a parable. He says, I want to compare something. Two people built a house, the identical house. They built, one built it on the sand, one built it on the rock. The same storm comes. He describes the storm in the exact same way. The winds, the waves, the, the, the rain, all of it in the exact same way. He said, the one who built their house on the sand, the house 
collapse. It's the one who hears the word of God but goes away and doesn't apply it to their lives. He says, but the one who builds their house upon the rock is like the one who hears the words that I have said, listens to them, applies them. That storm may come in their life, but they're still going to be standing. Way back in the, in the psalm of the 62nd psalm, a song of worship and praise, it tells us that God is the very foundation that we live our lives upon. He is our salvation. He is our fortress. He is our power. He is our refuge. You know what he's saying? Everything that I'm ever going to need is found in the person of God, in the person of Jesus Christ. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Everything you need is found there. And not just believing in God, but believing God means taking God at his word, but it also means trusting God's promises for your life. Trusting God's promises for your life. Listen, just because you accept Jesus doesn't mean you're never going to have problems. It doesn't mean that. Jesus said in this world, you're going to have trouble. Take heart, I've overcome the world. He, He said you can expect trouble, but you can expect to come out victorious too. In Isaiah chapter 43, verses 2 and 3, it says, When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. So, two things. You're going to go through deep waters, but I'm going to be with you. He goes on and says, When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I gave Egypt as a ransom for your freedom. You know what he's saying? He's saying, there are times you're going to have to go through some stuff, but God is going to be with you in those moments. And even if they feel like they're going to be overwhelming, they will never overwhelm you. And God says, not only will I be with you, and not only will I help you in those moments, I've already taken the enemy, Egypt, and turned it around and made them pay the price for your ransom. I'm bringing you through this. It's almost like, look, I'm getting you through this, and I'm making someone else pay the cost. As a matter of fact, he told them, when you leave Egypt, they're going to give you bounty. They're going to give you stuff. Now, listen, the enemy didn't come. Egypt, the Egyptians didn't come and say, we want to bless you on the way out. No, God made it so difficult for them to get the Israelites out. They just literally said, take whatever you want, just get out. I gave Egypt as a ransom. They paid so that you could have abundance. God has a way of doing that. God has a way of bringing you through and making your enemy pay so that you can have abundance. The second thing I want you to see is this, is that faith is believing that God will deliver you. It's not just reserved for the Old Testament or the New Testament. Faith is believing that God will actually deliver you. Here's here's where the rubber meets the road. Theoretically, a lot of people say, well, yes, God's promises are true. Well, yes, I believe that they apply to my life. But then when you get into the moment and you cry out, oh, God, help me, whether it's a sickness, whether it's a financial need, whether it's relational, whether it's emotional, whatever that is, when you get into that moment, it's do you believe in that moment? Not that God is just a deliverer, but that God can and will deliver you. That you're not an exception to the rule. That you don't look around at all the other people in this place and think, well, yeah, God will do it for them, but they're really spiritual. If you're a child of God, the promises of God are for you. 
And this is what I know to be true by his word and by experience. God will either bring you out or he will bring you through. He'll either bring you out or he'll bring you through. But one thing I can tell you for sure is that whichever he does, God will bring you close to him. It's why in the book of Daniel, when the, when the three Hebrews, boy, young men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they are faced with a decision. They are told, bow before this idol or we're going to throw you into that furnace. They said, we're not going to bow. The king Nebuchadnezzar is furious. He says, I'm going to give you one more time. You will bow or I'm throwing you in that furnace. And they said, oh, king, listen, we will not bow. Our God is able to deliver us from the fiery furnace. But even if he doesn't, we will not bow to any other idol and worship any other god. And the Bible says that Nebuchadnezzar, so furious, told them, crank that heat up seven times hotter than it's ever been. They did. He said, throw them in. They throw them in. The guards that throw them in are consumed by the flames. A few minutes later, Nebuchadnezzar walks over to that furnace, looks inside, and he is astounded. Let me give you some Reader's Digest words, okay? He is flabbergasted. He is gobsmacked, right? He doesn't know what to say, what to think, what to do. And he asks, he says, did we just throw in three people? They said, yes, three people we threw in. He said, well, I'm counting four. He said, and the fourth looks like he's the son of God walking around there in there. He said, pull them out. They come out. Their hair isn't singed. They aren't burned. And their clothes don't even smell like smoke. God knows how to bring you out and bring you through. But notice what they said. Even if he doesn't, we will not bow to this idol. It reminds you of Job who has gone through one of the most difficult circumstances anyone could ever go through. He has lost his children, lost his possession. He has lost everything. And his prayer was, even if God slay me, yet will I serve him. And this I know, that in the end, I will see God in my flesh face to face because I know my Redeemer lives. It is understanding that God is able to see you through or bring you out of any circumstances, but no matter what happens to you, no matter what comes your way, there's coming a day we stand face to face with Jesus and there's no power in hell that can stop that. I get it. We want to avoid when we, if it's our prayer, it's like, oh no, Lord, let's not have any trouble. We prefer the bringing me out than bringing me through, right? We want to avoid. God wants us to overcome. And if that means walking through it with you so that you can become victorious in the process, he'll do it. The third thing is this. Faith is not about perfect people. Now, I told you, I set this up and told you, this is the hall of fame of faith, Hebrews chapter 11. I mean, these are the folks, they go, 
You want to talk about faith? Let's list out all these people. I want to read to you the names of the people that they list in there. Noah, man of great faith, built an ark, told everybody it was going to rain. It barely even had dew on the ground up to that time. They never knew what rain was. And yet Noah was very imperfect. Read the passage after the ark had landed again. Noah was very imperfect. Abraham followed God, trusted God, trusted him with his son's life, yet feared in his own life that he lied about his wife and put her in danger, not once, but twice. Sarah, his wife, didn't believe that God could give her a child in her old age, even laughed in the face of the angels. Isaac, Jacob, Jacob means heel grabber and deceiver. Moses, Rahab, Samson, Barak, Gideon, Jephthah, David. This is a listing of all the people they said, this is what faith looks like. Every one of them are imperfect, and the Bible tells us about their imperfections so that you can know being listed in a hall of fame of faith is not about your perfection because faith is not about perfect people. Fourthly, faith is trusting in a perfect God who has a perfect plan in his perfect timing. They weren't perfect, but they trusted God. And you don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to have it all figured out. What you need to know is God in his perfection already does. Years ago, uh, my uncle was very sick. He had lived a very bad life. I mean, really difficult life. He was an alcoholic, drug addict. He wound up in the hospital. And it was one of those circumstances where, um, I don't know if you've, if you've ever been with a loved one in the hospital, but it's, it's when things start turning like, it seems like one small thing, but then it affects something else, and it affects something else, and everything starts spiraling downhill fast. So everything started spiraling downhill. And they called the family in, and my mom and my great-grandmother was, were there. Now, my great-grandmother um, was, was a minister. As a matter of fact, the, the first memories of church I have is sitting on an old hardwood pew. No padding, no anything. Some of the pews didn't even have backing on them in this church. Just every stereotype you want to go. I'm from Mississippi. Go ahead and give it to me. Every stereotype you want to go in a rural town, in a country church in Mississippi. And I'm sitting there listening to my great-grandmother preach with a passion and a fervor that was unmatched. And she's in the room with my uncle. It's her grandson. And things are just spiraling out of control and they call in the family and say, this is not good. He needs a miracle. So she prays over him, nothing happens. 
They all come in and they pray over him. Nothing seems to be happening. And they ask the family to leave because they've got to do some more work on him. And it doesn't look good because everything they try seems to have the opposite effect. And on her way out, she decided to go back over to the bed. And she said, Alan, I don't know if you can hear me. She said, and I don't know if you can even articulate a prayer right now, if you can say it. She said, but if you can just say or breathe the name of Jesus, he's enough. And if you can't speak, if you can formulate his name in your mind and call out on him, he's enough. A few seconds later, they start walking out. And about the time they get to the curtain as it's being drawn, they heard the faintest noise, barely audible, that came from Alan and it just said, Jesus. An hour later, they came in and said, not sure what's going on, but he's starting to take a turn for the better. Three hours later, he was conscious. Three days later, he was home. He had lived a horrific life. It wasn't about his perfection. At that moment, he trusted in a perfect God to lay his need there and say, I trust you. You're enough. As I have been praying and looking forward to this day, I have, I've had the sense in my spirit that we are coming in with a lot of expectation, and I love that. But do you know my, my worry was not that we wouldn't come in with a sense of expectation. My worry was that our expectations would be too low. That we would come in and bring our needs to God and say, I trust you with this and I know this is the answer. When last week, time and time again, through multiple speakers, we remembered that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can think or imagine. That I can't even conceive of the things that God can do in my life. I'm not worried about you coming in here without expectations. I'm worried that our expectations are set too low because his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts and that everything you can conceive that you think is going to be great and deliverance in your life, God can do more than that and even has planned more than that. And my prayer is, is that you will not limit yourself with your expectations, but give it all to Jesus and let Jesus do what only he can do. And that starts by believing, not just in him, but believing him, taking it as word, and trusting him in his promises. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes in this room right now? I'm not going to belabor the point, but his promises are for you if you will call on him with sincere hearts. Whether you've been following him for a long time, or whether you haven't been following him like my uncle had not, but trusted in him in that moment. But if you're in this room today and you know when you came in here things weren't right between you and the Lord, 
You need to make that decision first. You need that promise for your life first. If that's you, I'm just going to invite you to pray some prayer, a prayer just something like this. Lord Jesus, I thank you, and I recognize you're the Son of God, and that you're the King of kings and Lord of lords, and I need you. I ask you to forgive me of my sins and the way that I've lived, and I yield my life to your Lordship. Lead me from this day forward through your word and through your spirit, and I will never be the same. Now, everyone in the room, just pray this prayer profession with me. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. One more time. Jesus, I give you my life. Now, with your head still bowed, eyes still closed, no one looking around except the ministry team and me. I'm not here to embarrass you, but I want to pray for you this week. If that's you, you know when you came in here this morning, things weren't right between you and the Lord, but you made a decision to follow him for the first time or the first time in a long time. Say, that's me, Pastor. Pray for me this week. Would you raise your hand and keep it up really high? While no one else is looking around. Amen. Just leave it up just a moment. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Amen. All right, you can put them down. Father, we thank you for changed lives, for hope that has been restored, for lives that have been renewed. I thank you, O oh Lord, that the past is gone and the new has come. And I pray that every bit of shame that is lifted off of their shoulders is with is replaced with unspeakable joy. God, in these next few moments, as we prepare our hearts to bring our needs to you, Lord, we have fasted and believed. We have come to the table of Christ and said, your body, your blood, your sacrifice is what we need. And now by faith, we come expecting to feast at your goodness today with our needs. Whether that's spiritual, emotional, financial, physical, relational need, whatever it is, we bring it to you. Lord, don't let our expectations limit you, but let our trust in you be unlimited in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. I'm going to invite you to stand, please. Our prayer team, I'm going to go ahead and invite you to come down front. I want you to look at me. You are bringing your needs to Jesus. Someone is going to agree with you and pray with you. It's not about the person who's praying with you. It's about Jesus. And I want you to come and bring that need to Jesus. And I don't want you to delay. I don't want you to let the enemy try to talk you out of it. I want you to come and believe God for those things. So I'm going to count to three. And when I count to three, that's your moment. Come now, come then, and, get, and come and bring it to Jesus right now. You believe that with expectation this morning? Amen. One, two, three three. Come on. If you have a need, come forward. Let's worship together. Let's believe together right now that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than you can ask or imagine right now.
Trusting him to do the impossible, believing in him for miracles. Come on, can we join our faith together, the family of God, praying for our brothers and our sisters? Oh God, we trust you. We still believe in you. Come on, we sing. I still believe. I still believe you're moving. I still believe you're speaking. God, I believe you're working. Oh, Oh! 
continue to pray and we conclude our 21 days of fasting and prayer celebrating all that God has done for us celebrating what God is doing even now in these altars maybe at your seat what he's going to do in our lives as we feast on him I want us to proclaim that he is more than able we sang this song last week Believing God is the God of the impossible. And he has proven himself to us over these 21 days. Even me personally, the words of these lyrics of the first verse, when did we forget that he was the God of the impossible? And we fix our eyes on him, the one that can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ask or imagine. So before we conclude our time together, let's proclaim together that he is more than able. Let's sing about our God today.
to forget all of the great things you did. When did I throw away faith for the impossible? He's been so good to us. How did I start to believe that you weren't sufficient for me? Why do I talk myself out of seeing miracles? Come on, North, one voice, we declare it. You are more. You are more than Anything is possible. Who am 
praise your God today. Lift him high, Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, give the Lord your highest praise in this place. Blessed be his name. Amen. Listen, for some of you, God moved right here, right now. For some of you, he's just beginning. And for some of you, he's moving and you don't even know he's moving. But when you trust him, the answer's on the way. I believe that what God has begun today, he is going to see through to completion in your life and in our life. Amen? Amen. Amen. I'm so excited about what God is doing in your life. I cannot wait for a revival to start tonight, 6 p.m. Dr. Mark Rutland's going to be here, and I hope you will be here as well. I believe God's going to do some incredible things. Hey, can you celebrate with me today? Seven people gave their hearts to Jesus Christ. Amen. Come on. That is the greatest miracle that will ever take place. Listen, I hope you guys have a fantastic afternoon. The fast is over. Listen, whatever you've been denying yourself, I hope it tastes so sweet to you or savory to you. But listen, when you sit down to eat whatever it is you've been denying yourself, here's what I want you to do. Don't, under any circumstances, sit down and go, it's about time. Why don't you look at it and just say, thank you, Jesus for all you've done, and thank you for this blessing in my life. Amen? Allow me the privilege to bless you according to Numbers chapter 6 before you go. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace in Jesus' name. Let's give our response from Psalm 19. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. God bless you, folks. Hope to see you tonight, 6 p.m. Thanks for listening to today's message. If you would like to learn more about North, be sure to check out our website at mountparanorth.com. If you have any questions, you can email us at info at mountparanorth.com or give us a call at 770-578-9081. And if you're in the Marietta, Georgia area, we'd love to have you join us for worship next Sunday at 945 or 1115 a.m. Again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.